Where'd everybody go? Nobody move. Is he still there? Morning, morning, morning. Morning, John. Morning, John. What's new? Oh, yeah, not a lot. Not a lot. 6.30 here on the West Coast. <laughs> that guy again. Oscar just woke up. Um, woke up dancing. Aw. Woke up dancing. Wanted to put on a new shirt. Got on a new shirt that had some guitars on it. Started playing the guitars on his shirt. <laughs> dancing along with them. Hey, so right before I, I, I called you, um, I got uh, I got a little Twitter notification that I'd been name checked, and it looks like Elisa Gabbert uh, has who is we've mentioned on the podcast before and is a future contributor to Okie Panky. Um, she wrote an article for Electric Literature: "Some of the best lit tweets of some of the year." Is is her formulation of some of the year? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Because uh, she wasn't paying close attention the whole time. But right. um, they're very funny. But the one of mine that she chose was actually a quotation of you. Oh, very good. It was uh, the I posted that photo of the pile of new books at Elliott Bay. And you said, these books are all named after sex acts. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, well, congratulations. You're not even on Twitter and you got one of the best lit tweets of the year. From Elisa. That's how powerful my Twitter is. <laughs> you do have you do have a powerful Twitter, boy. My tech presence is so strong. What are you munching on? I was having a little satsuma. What even is that? You might you might know it as a clementine. <laughs> oh, all right. It's one of those, a little uh, <laughs> little orange. Yeah, well, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. a tangerine. Oh, you know though? clementines. Yeah. You know clementines. Well, it's also called a satsuma. Okay, okay. Why? Well, that might that be it might be a different variety. Is it from the region of Japan that that that, that also has that name? Let's say that it is. <laughs> okay, because okay. Okay. it's a... we the, they're also grown um, down in uh, Plaquemine Parish, Plaquemine Parish. Yeah, um, which is the uh, sort of the the outflow of the very end of the Mississippi River, mm-hmm. past the Orleans Parish and Chalmette Parish is uh, Plaquemine, and they grow uh, satsumas down there, and they they uh, get ripe about this time of year, yeah, uh, in the winter, and are delicious. Yeah, for a couple of weeks, Rian um, was saying, "Is it time for the clementines? Do I do I bring home the box of clementines?" You know, they, I'm sure it's just, they're similarly packaged everywhere, but it's a a, a cheap wooden crate with yeah. a, with some orange uh, miniature snow fence. If you if you were uh, working on your sort of large scale model train and you needed some snow fence, you would use the the netting on the t- yeah. on the clementines. Uh, and finally, I said yes. It is time, and, and now if you were trying to trap eels, you might use such a mesh. <laughs> you might, you might. You'd faces, have to... their weird human faces would be all pressed up against the <laughs> mesh, unable to get out. You know, start out with a bag of oranges, you end up with a bag of eel. <laughs> Wait a time for, is it time for the eel? Is it is it time for the eel pie yet? 
They have yes. human fi- Oh! Oh, God, I just Googled <laughs> nice eel. Big I just supper of Satsumas oh. and eel pie. I just Googled eel face, and I... That, that's that's yeah, disturbing. Yeah, like looking in a mirror, isn't it? Yeah. Well, no, but it's... <laughs> eel, eel. It's like human. Uh, uh, yeah. And every single one of them is saying, What? What? <laughs> what? Yeah. I was so happy. Oh, God. Whew. Eel. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So um, I I put this uh, put a little post on the Facebook um, announcing this, but I have a I need some advice. I have a I have an awkward social writer social situation, and I want your advice on. All right, I'm good. Um, I'll be good. I'll try to be good. So I wrote this short story. I don't know if you've read it, but it's about uh, it's called a Stormy Evening at the Bucksnort Restaurant. Absolutely. And, okay, so it's in the new book. And uh, what it's about is is a couple. Um, sorry, I just saw some bizarre dripping from my ceiling right in front of me. That's that's super disturbing. What the hell is that all about? I can't even tell where it came from. Is it raining? No, I guess maybe there's some meltage up there. There's probably an ice dam. Um, maybe it was outside and it just looked like it was inside. Anyway, you okay, John? You all right? Yeah, no, I'm fine. Back to me. Back to me. Um. So the story is about this this couple who, while traveling, is trapped uh, in a hurricane that they were not aware was coming in New Jersey, and they take shelter in a in a restaurant. But the restaurant not owned. It's not a good restaurant. No, it is not. Um, You seem to have visited it. it, It's in fact owned by a mentally ill uh, couple of twins, twin siblings, a man and a woman in their late thirties who. don't actually know how to make food. No, um, they've inherited the restaurant from their their eccentric parents, and they have only the dimmest sense of what's going on, and uh, and hijinks ensue. So, if I remember correctly, the the wife who's visiting, who are taking shelter, tries to order, um, is hesitant to, and finally settles on tea, yep. and that doesn't quite work right either. No, yeah, no. Um, the. Uh, the, the the proprietor tries to microwave uh the tea but the but the um the little um she leaves a little, little staple on the you know on the tea bag and the and the little paper thing catches fire and slips into the tea anyway um i had forgotten where this story came from and in the story the couple are diminutive and they're in their 50s and he is a Professor of veterinary science at a college. She owns a yarn shop, but um, but she has a um, she has a very religious and very mean mother, whom years and years later, even after her mother's death, she's still angry at. And um, there's a bunch of stuff about how they have an unusual sex life. They only have sex when they go on this one trip uh, right. to go fishing. Um, but what I'd forgotten was that uh, my neighbors are a diminutive couple, one of whom is a veterinary science professor, the other of whom uh, hates her mother. And they um, they to- they told this anecdote. They had gone to some restaurant where it was run by crazy people who didn't know how to cook. And that's all I heard. I heard the anecdote secondhand through Rin, and I was like, ha-ha, that would make a great story. And I put it in a hurricane. I was actually, I was actually um, raiding... Your work, 
because you had a you had a trapped in a bar in a hurricane story, right? Which is uh, the blood which and guts. I, yeah, which I mostly, which which uh, I was, I stole the basic scenario from a uh, um, Damon Runyon story. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So the the great chain of theft continues. Yeah, starts with Damon Runyon. Yeah, I think I actually think we've talked about this on the this this borrowing on this podcast before. But here's the current problem. It, anyone who knows my neighbors will immediately see that it's about them. Oh. And of course it's not about them and I don't know anything about their their sexual habits. Right. And uh but there's enough details that I took from them, their appearance, their her her family history um, and this anecdote that they're going to, if they read it, they're going to think it's them. But so then I thought, well, they're probably never going to read it. And then um, uh, Rian's book group came over here uh, the other night, and they're in the book group, uh, or the um, the woman of the couple is in the book group. It was it was spouses the the annual spouses also read the book party, and um, the first thing that another neighbor, their next door neighbor, said to me was. I just bought your book. Haven't read it yet, but I'm planning to. So what's going to happen is she's going to read that story, and she's immediately going to recognize that I have borrowed both the anecdote and the physical appearance of um, our shared neighbors. So I'm wondering what to do here. Like I, I, uh, I feel like I should get out in front of this thing and nope. send them an email. No, no. Why nope. not? Because that's... <laughs> That's acknowledging it. That's making sure. That's 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 hurtful. That's hurtful. They might otherwise not ever know about it. And if they do, they might um, just say, "Well, that's odd," and uh, not really? think about it at all. Or they might they might read it and feel kind of a little invaded and a little hurt, but still not bring it up or really matter to them. Or it might matter them to a lot, and they won't say anything. Um, and who cares? Uh, but if you say something, <laughs> suddenly it's a big deal. Suddenly is it? it is totally and entirely about them, no matter what the content of your email says. No matter what you, how you couch it. You saying, oh, the story, it's not about you. Then you're sort of both, you know, saying that, it, well, it probably really is. And... Uh, and you're uh, you're not intelligent enough to understand fiction. <laughs> oh God! Well, sh- you know they both are quite intelligent enough to understand fiction, and she is a very attentive reader. Um, and a, I mean, not, not to understand the the complexities of, uh, you know, where writers get their ideas, like yeah. what they do. Yeah. So, uh, so your advice then: don't do anything, and it's their own damn fault for making friends with writers. <laughs> yeah. Becoming veterinarians, <laughs> which already indicates a, a certain dislike for uh, for people. What becoming a veterinarian? Yes, it does. Yeah, you're casting your lot with the animals. <laughs> you're joining the animal party. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. You you come a- from a very veterinary family, do you not? I know. Well, I have I have a veterinarian brother. Yeah, and he's and, he's and I think I think one of the things that he enjoys about the profession is that he gets to work with animals. Well, of course, but he d- instead does... of people. <laughs> okay, that's the key part. 
Yeah. He well, prefers I mean, them to he, people. He enjoys the company. Enjoys working with animals. I think mm-hmm. he enjoys people, but he enjoys working with animals. Um, and uh, I, don't know, I think uh, what what uh, veteran, veteran, veterinarians probably pride themselves on not being people people. It'd be a professional liability to be a people person. Um, Become a human doctor if you like people so much. <laughs> Heal your friends and neighbors. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm not saying well, it's a I, law. I, Help I, animals. I really like these people. Um, and... But I, but I'm con- but I'm concerned. I'm concerned. That's all. Maybe what will probably happen is if they find out about it, uh, the woman will. Um, I nearly spoke her name there. With the woman will mention it to Rian, and Rian can explain it. Well, and then if it, if it really comes up, the you can. I mean, it would be appropriate to sort of apologize. Okay. Yeah, I I did. I just sort of you know, basically the outlines of this this story. I don't have any obsessions about you or I don't entertain any thoughts about your private lives. I just, you know, just the, the, the bare bones, of course. And the early career, writer, not, but you know, I've but, written, I've written hundreds of stories and probably every character in every story has some, uh, in every novel, every character probably has some, some sweater that they wear is based on some sweater that somebody, some friend of mine has. Yeah. You know, their job, yeah. their freaky sex habits or something. Whoops. Wait. This is, when I when I was going through that uh, legal drama about Happy Land, the, um, my, uh, the, the argument I kept making, both in my head and out loud to um, my literary agent was, but I made it all up. You know, it's the, it's the, the real life, person in this position has nothing to do with the invented person in this position. And my agent said, that's the problem because you're making stuff up that the real life person will assume you are applying to her, which turned out not to be true at all, but right. Yeah. Well, but also real people aren't made of words. All right. People in a story are just some words. There's not, you know, it's not really a person. <laughs> it's just some nouns and some verbs. And some imagination. And an adverb once in a while. I'm not a writer, Ed. I'm an imagineer. I'm an imaginisto. An imaginus. <laughs> so um, so I, think, I think don't say anything. Hey, okay, right. nice red plaid. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm proud of it. Proud of it. Um, so uh, this, is my, this is my... Post-semester uniform, by the way. I handed in my grades yesterday, so I'm done with uh, school. Who do you hand them to? Computer. Is, is there a I handing hand them, over? I hand them to an internet. I oh. upload them in, in an extraordinarily poorly designed graphical user interface that times out every five minutes. Yeah. When was the last time that a grade was actually handed to somebody? Like at the end of the semester. Not like another hand that out to students, but like... Um, like tying your grades up in a bundle and taking them to the department uh, chair, who then takes the bindle of grades and says, "Thank you. Here is I? your here's <laughs> your goat for the year and your, your sack." <laughs> um, I that's the way it was when I started at Cornell only eight years ago. A bindle of grades. 
A bindle of grades, yeah. Um, although I only teach two classes a semester, so it's just a couple slips of paper. But um, but yeah, uh, but that really? that went away pretty quickly after I, I started. But still, in in the uh, in the arts, I like the idea of the of a of professors. You know, uh, uh, as part of this sort of professorial uniform, you know, they they will also have a grade bindle. Yeah, yeah. A little. Uh, it, has, it has little elbow little patches. Ho- hobo flourish there. Yeah, that's right. It's made of <laughs> it's made of tweed with a little corduroy <laughs> patch on it. Yeah. <laughs> but I was about to say there's a, there's a uh, I started to say there was a there's a early career writer of my acquaintance who wrote a story. Um, in in real life, situation A happened. Um, well, basically, someone asked him to critique something, and he said it was wonderful. And then he wrote a short story about the event, and in the short story, said that it was terrible. And thinking, you know, because when you're just starting out, you write a zillion things. It's your your own private world. Uh, yeah. And then the Paris Review accepted it. Uh-huh. <laughs> And then uh, he's, and then the, the the guy never talked to him again. So, well, <laughs> what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? We all die. <laughs> <laughs> we all die. Yeah, yeah. Write, write, write what you want. If somebody takes offense at it, they can go fuck themselves. Yep. And I can be friends with Ethel across the street instead of with them. Maybe you weren't good friends to begin with. <laughs> oh God. And it's hard enough writing. It's enough of a you're, it's, it's enough of a gift to the world of what you're doing to have to worry about stepping on somebody's feelings. You would never write anything. You would never get anything done. And I was I've seen. I think people do get paralyzed. Yeah, writers do get paralyzed by such concerns and and write badly or stop writing. Well, I think once we choose to do what we do, um, even even before we start doing it publicly or as a career, um, we're essentially electing to throw our lot in with uh, you know with the animals instead of the people. We're disrespecting the people. Yeah. We're we're stealing their experience. What are you doing? I'm plugging in my. I'm looking at a. Looking at a plaid sleeve. You know what? You um you complimented my plaid, and I didn't compliment yours. I, your plaid's very attractive as well. What is this sort of a dark? Navy, navy and white check. Yeah, it's got kind of a bigger white check than I thought it did. Yeah. Well, it ends up being a little more checkerboard. When it, what when you when you took it off the rack, it seemed like a finer pattern to you than. It shimmered. I shop in the dark. I only go to very dimly lit, dimly lit stores. It's a, I, mean, I go to I shop in a big and tall, so it's already a, a place of shame. So. It, <laughs> They don't need to spend. They don't need to waste money on lighting. You know, you know though, slink in like it's an adult video arcade. <laughs> you oh, wait a minute, an adult <laughs> video arcade with pornographic video games. <laughs> I think it's the way that people walk into the big and tall store is the same way that people probably walk into. <laughs> yeah, the, you mean the, the video store? Video, yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> because because yeah. that's a thing that ought to exist, and you. You want it to exist. Adult pornographic video games. Yeah. Well, I guess there are there have been some. As with as with the uh the new books at Elliott Bay, uh video games are already just <laughs> just unfathomably filthy. Tetris. 
there's um there's a, a Tetris is a, a game it, of penetration. It, it totally is. Yeah, centipede. On, um, on uh, the video game uh, sort of cr- criticism site, Rock Paper Shotgun, and if, I'm sure I was going to recommend it to people who like games, but if they do, they already they already read this site. Um, they have a they have a column c- called S dot exe sexy, which is about uh, sex in video games, and yeah. it uh, it comes up uh, very often. Every couple of weeks, there's another column, so. This is a thing. Well, please, please direct us to yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, go- I'm going to. I'm going to. I was thinking um, about a game. I was sort of having a a daydream, and I was imagining a game called be called Pony Tetris <laughs> with live ponies <laughs> being dropped, lowered by crane or helicopter into a, a a silo, but they're all kind of a different, you know, different shapes. Tetris sort of shaped. Ponies. Were you in a state of uh, drowsy, near, near sleep? Yeah. Well, I think I was. I was. I had a very high fever last week. I, I was sick, either food poisoning or the flu. I was out yeah. in Port Townsend, uh, living, staying in a barracks, and I had two or three days of, of kind of delirium. And pony Tetris might have been part of the delirium. <laughs> you want to? Um, do you want to say anything about? Uh... About uh, Port. Oh, I wanted to. Oh, uh, before before you, we talk about that, actually, I had to, I wanted to say something you'll probably scoff at, which is, I'm a little um, envious of the big and tall store when I go by. Yeah, you know, you I, I it's, it's not for me. It's not for me, and I think that a big person can wear clothes in a way that a smaller person can't. You can make some. You can make kind of a. There's some drama. To like a really long sport coat, for instance. It's a larger canvas to work <laughs> yeah, with. Yeah, larger canvas. Yeah. I can't work in that scale. Some big some big people can be can 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 be a little flashier. Generally though, you, you, you want to pick clothes that escape attention. Have you ever like, done otherwise? Have you ever because you I mean, I think you dress well. I think you look good in clothes, but um you try you you tend to dress in a more muted way. Have you have you ever tried to have you ever tried something more flashy, oh, I flamboyant? Have, I have. <clears throat> well, I've I've tried the Hawaiian and it just doesn't quite work. Um, <laughs> no, the problem the problem with, with 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 brighter colors or 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 patterns or clothes with shapes on them is that you, it's easier to end up looking like an Easter egg. <laughs> really, yeah. I mean, sort of look like a decorated person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so I think it's best to. Uh, uh, for, for for muted colors, if you're if you're a big person, a lot of people shopping in a big and tall store are little people shopping for their uh, relatives, their significant significant other. <laughs> <laughs> Ten points <laughs> directly to Mister Lennon. Yeah, um, Port Townsend was fantastic. I was out there for two weeks as a uh, my first foray into a writer in the schools program. Ah, uh, visiting the eleventh grade students of Port Townsend High School, uh, working with them, trying to get them to write some poems, and we wrote a bunch of poems with these nice kids, and then we had a reading at the end of it on a schooner, the Schooner Adventurous, which you can wow, look up. yeah, all right, uh, in a in a windstorm of forty fifty mile an hour winds, the schooner was in port and in fact was also covered up. 
because they're doing work on the deck. So we were down in the, I think it's called the hold, or I don't know, wherever the crew lives. And we had a cozy little reading with some hot chocolate on a boat. Fantastic. Uh, this is not, you're not kidding. This is the, sh- the schooner adventurous, except that the f- photo has a little broken, broken image yeah. gif there. Um, sound, is this it? Sound Experience? Sound Experience is the name of the organization that, uh, that uh, has the schooner. They use it for a lot of educational events. This boat's um, not fucking around. It's like, this is, you know. It's like a 120-year-old goddamn uh, sailboat. Schooner. Look at that. Schooner. Double master. We'll, we'll link schooner. to that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, how long were you there? I was out there for two weeks. Did you bring the family, or were you alone? They came out and visited. Uh, but I was. there were several other uh, teachers uh, for this two-week little period. Yeah. Uh, so I was sharing... Uh, um, I was sharing quarters with Peter Mountford. Oh, of course. Novelist we've talked about. Um, and uh, some other writers from Seattle. Uh, Karen Finneyfrock, is a, a young adult uh, novelist. And is that one, one word, or is it, an, is it a hyphenated name? Finneyfrock is one word. Nice. Author of uh, some really good young adult novels. Starbird, Murphy, and the World Outside. Starbird, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel Kessler, Samar Abdul Hassan, and Laura uh, Naughton. And this group, you know, they're all my age, roughly. And this is this was their sixth year going out there as a group to the writers in the schools oh. to spend two weeks out there. And so they had all of they had lots of rituals. You were the newcomer. I was the new guy. Who did you replace? Uh, there have been somebody different has done it every year or two. Oh, We've yeah. done the high school portion. Everybody else is working with the middle it's, schools. It's not like it's not like you're the it's not like you're the new the new husband after the after the old husband has died in mysterious <laughs> circumstances. You're, no. You know, no. The, no, no one looked at you and said like, "Hey, Chuck." Oh, sorry. No, no, not to my knowledge. Okay, but we go we, on. Made, uh, yeah. we would make a uh, dinner most nights and sit around Good. and people. Everyone uh, would bring, brought slippers. That was the thing that I missed out on being the FNG. Was um, because it's a it's an old converted uh, yeah the fucking new guy oh okay okay <laughs> some some nom terms for my pleasant writers retreat in yeah. Fort Worden Park the most beautiful spot in, in all of America uh, in these old barracks and the, the floors are cold so everybody brought nice slippers I think slippers that they had bought over the years just for this occasion. <laughs> So they would get they would get back, they would jammy up, slippers, have some dinner. And then uh, a few nights we would play a game called Dixit. Do you know Dixit? Uh no. D-I-X-I-T. It's a wonderful little card game, storytelling card game. Let's see. Let's so there's see a tall there's a tall deck of cards, and the cards all have pictures on them that are enigmatic. Drawn okay. sort of paint of, you know, maybe a... um a uh, you know a, a a rat in a cage high up in a tree and like a, a little girl playing chess in the foreground or something or yes um, yes a, a, a deerhead trophy crying while um you know a a, a 
monkey makes its bed or something. Right. Enigmatically. So you, you get six cards, and you try to you come up with a phrase that is, works like a caption or evokes, seems to respond to the card that you have. Okay. Uh, maybe it gestures towards a story or something, or maybe it's a saying. And then you, uh, everybody else picks a card from their deck, from their hand, that, seems, that, that might go along with that saying. And then you put out all the cards, and you try to guess which was the, uh, which was the original. Try to figure out who, you know, whose storytelling instincts or captioning instincts or connection in their minds between words and images uh, was the original. And then, then you're trying to fool everybody else with your interpretation. And you're maybe eating, drinking a little wine and eating a little chocolate at the same time. Yep. Yep. And you're kind of drifting off anyway. It's a very nice, yep. dozy game. Playing a little uh, Pony Tetris in your head <laughs> as, yeah. you, as yeah. you drift you're off. Um, Dixit in the real world, Pony Tetris in your mind. I, uh, I like it. I like it. It's very literary. Honors our uh, honors our drive to uh, to tell stories, Ed. It's a great game. It's a great game. Dixit. Are you are you going to get your own set, your own Dixit to play at home? I I think so. If any of my uh, uh, siblings or in laws are listening to this podcast, forget that we were talking about Dixit until after ah, the twenty. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So. And then uh, just walked around the fort a lot. There's deer nibbling. Uh, there's battery emplacements facing the Strait of Juan de Fuca. You can see the lights of Victoria in the distance and the lights of Muckleteo. 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 You can see all the way from Muckleteo to Victoria. You might even be able to see Barnaby on a good day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while you're walking around listening to the Barnabys. And... <laughs> Uh, the, the the nice people who are kind enough to publish my poems, their um, offices on the fort. Oh, uh, all Copper right. Canyon Press, so I was able to see a lot of the, the the people who work there. Have you ever been to the home office before? Frequent, frequently. All right, all right. I haven't. I haven't. But you know, when we're when we uh, when we rendezvous in Minneapolis um, in what April, yeah. um, I'm going to make a pilgrimage to. To Grey Wolf, of course, everyone from Grey Wolf will be at AWP, so the office will be empty. But I do want to stop and yeah. and see uh, and see the see the place. There's something special about that. Seeing your publisher's office. Yeah, this is where makes they decided seem- that you were worth publishing. Makes it seem real, but also you feel like, oh, I don't really, I don't quite belong here. My body does not belong in this place. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, there's a little cubby hole for my manuscript, but otherwise, I am just a. I am, uh, I am a problem. Yeah. If I'm here physically, <laughs> I am in the way, I am not getting it. Yeah. Here comes this guy not understanding it, standing around, <laughs> looking. For, what does he want? A snack? Uh, what are we money? supposed to do he, with you? Hey, uh, yeah, nice to see you. Uh, you uh, go uh, go stand out on the porch for a little while. <laughs> Where'd everybody go? Nobody move. Is he still there? <laughs> uh, 
nice. Port Townsend, nice little town. About 10,000 people out on this peninsula. Uh, it feels like, uh, it doesn't, you don't feel like you're in Washington State. Even though you're, it's only an hour and a half from Seattle. It's only 40 miles from Seattle, but you have to take ferries to get there. Um, it feels like uh, maybe the southernmost Alaskan city. It's very oh. maritime, a lot of boats, people working in boat trades, maritime occupations. So the barracks is no longer a barracks. It's a decommissioned barracks. It's a barracks the, that you. The, the fort was uh, was uh, decommissioned in like 1950, and it became oh. a state park that's managed by the Centrum something, some group. A lot of. It uh, sounds like a, a a terrorist organization in a James Bond picture. Yes. The Centrum, Centrum, running into Centrum agents in, yeah. in the uh, <laughs> lobby bathrooms of exotic locations. Uh, mm-hmm. The Centrum agent will often have a knife in his or, or her boots. <laughs> um, that is, that's very maritime, actually. Centrum agents can fly. Really? Yeah. Well, they kind of levitate while they yeah. kick you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they levitate while they kick you. Yeah. Um. So, what's what's uh? Are you settled in for a spell now? I'm back back in Seattle, settled in. A uh, couple days in Portland, I think, for Christmas. Otherwise, just uh, chasing around Oscar here and trying to write some poems. Writing a lot of poems. Are you? Uh, Port Townsend was good. I wrote, I was writing three or four poems a day, so quiet and fevery. And I keep, um, I, I'm having trouble uh, getting, it's not like I'm even trying to write anything. I'm just having trouble getting to the place where I would begin to write something um, or even revise something. Uh, I keep putting obstacles in my own path. And it's it's one of those times when everything seems to be falling apart in a very minor way, but there are so many instances of the minor falling apart that it feels like the the world is very heavy on my shoulders. But then when I actually look at the substance of this feeling, it's um, it's silly and not worth getting upset about. I had a um, end of the year machine seems to be kind of always seems to be running down a little bit. Yeah, and the, your ability to fix things your ability to make things right seems to have decreased that is if if you have some thing that requires outdoor maintenance the weather may prevent it um if you want to uh, smooth things over with someone you've uh, you've put in your short story uh they're probably away visiting family or they don't want to talk about your little problem that you feel bad about um but uh i had this experience of um so we drive Volvos, and Volvos have to have their tires changed in the winter because they drive poorly in the snow otherwise. So um, I went to get the studs put on, and I noticed our old car, which is 20 years old now, so it was leaking. It was leaking something. Uh, and also the, um, also the speedometer stopped working, mm. um, which I don't care all that much about, but we're gonna, you know, Owen is learning to drive on this car. Um, and we want him to have the speedometer. So I take it in to get the tires changed, and I, I called ahead, and I was like, hey, uh, also, it's leaking, and I want to fix the speedometer. So I get there, and um, Dave, the guy who runs the place, I think a foreign car service, uh, they're great mechanics, but if Dave is in a bad mood, he will just rain pessimism down on your head 
and make you feel terrible. And that's about the car or just a general small talk pessimism. Well, about the car, but the, his demeanor while, while talking about the car is one of frustration, impatience, and disgust. So, um, if, if he's in a bad mood and so he was in this mood when I went to pick up the car and I said, so what's up with the leak? And he said, oh, your, your transmission fluid pan is, is, uh, rusted through and it's just weeping. And I said, well, did you replace it? And he said, no, they don't make the part anymore. Can't be replaced. And, and he said, uh, you know, so, so that's that. And then I said, well, what about the speedometer? And he said, forget about it. Just forget about it. We've got four of them over there. None of them work. You can never find one that works. They don't make them. John, he said, as though like this, as this, this, he should have said this to me years ago. Uh, Volvo just won't make parts for this car anymore. And there's nothing I can do. Except there's junkyards and there's a trade in yeah. used parts. There is. Well, the, I went, so I, what Rian and I did was I was so d- discouraged by this rhetoric that I began to look for another car to buy, a, a somewhat newer second car to replace it with and chase down a couple that didn't work out for various reasons. And then I just thought, wait a minute, of course you can fix the damn car. Yeah. Or somebody people, else could. People can fix cars. Yeah. Well, th- I mean, if anybody can, it's these guys. They are they only their their website is volvoonly.com. They only work on Volvos. And they're they're great. They do great work at good prices. But uh Dave was in a bad mood. So I went back yesterday and I pulled up and said, "Look, uh still leaking. I don't know how to replace the transmission fluid." You know, it's not like oil or power steering fl- fluid. It, it, there's some weird finesse to it. You need a, a long, a ludicrously long uh, funnel to do it. Uh, it's like a, like a hummingbird giving nectar back to the yeah, flower. Yes, it is. It's very much like that. It's very much like that. And Like an uh, anteater replacing the ants in, in the termite mound. <laughs> yeah, keep those metaphors rolling. Um, and I said, look... I can't afford because what it came down to is I don't have the money for another car. I don't want to get another car loan. We just paid off the last one. I said I don't like want Tommy another Lee, car. Like Tommy Lee Jones trying to put the lava back in the volcano. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good reference. Thank you. Well done. Well done. Uh, I want to keep this car. I like it. Surely you can repair. You can repair it. And he's like, what's wrong with it again? I said, the trans the transmission fluid pan. He's like, oh, yeah, we'll get you one of those. <laughs> and I said, well, when can you do it? It's leaking, right? And like, you know, it ta- I put it in gear, and it takes, like, you know, two seconds before it clanks into, you know, it needs to be replaced. And he said, he said, oh, well, we're all, you know, we're all packed through January. Hold on, hold on. Uh, okay, bring it into the 23rd. So he, you know, not only could he do it, he could do it right away. And they said, well, what about the speedometer? He said, well, do you need a speedometer? And I said, well, are you going to pass it, pass the inspection in the July? And he's like, yeah, I'll pass inspection. I'll just write doesn't work on the, on that line. And I, but then I told him, well, actually I do want to fix it. He said, well, then we have to send it to this guy who rebuilds him. And I said, okay. And he said, all right. I, I, you know, it was it was just 
the difference between him being unhappy and him yeah. being happy yeah. was enormous. Was a new car. Was a new car. Was the difference. Yeah. Some people's moods change nothing but the color on their ring. <laughs> your life is going to make you give you an entire different lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two paths diverged. Yeah. At the I Volvo right. mechanic. And I. I... Right it does not work. It's not right. It's right down. It doesn't work. They don't care. DNW. <laughs> well, that's great. Good luck. Well, what, what, what model Volvo is it? It's a 1994 uh, 940 wagon. Wagon. Nice. Your, your basic, your classic box. That, I this, miss my little 240. I had yeah. That little I miss my Troll Hunter was its name. Really? Sold, sold it to Jack McCrone for a dollar. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, and our last report is still uh, puttering around the city of Missoula. Yeah. Polluting, polluting the city of Missoula. And yeah, Jack is, is polluting Missoula with his poetry. I, I certainly hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, so the students I taught there, which is just two years ago, um, uh, of course, are already, you know, they, as is the case, I think more with, maybe more with poets and fiction writers, already most of them seem to have given up the trade and moved on to something else. Oh, yeah. are you uh, bearish about about the trade, about poetry? No, I'm all for it. I just, I just, I just, just a, just a, a. No, I mean about its its future. People quit. See, bearish is positive. Yeah. Like if I were bearish, I would. F- no, if I was bearish, I wouldn't fix your Volvo. If I was bullish, I would. Oh wait, are the bears? I thought the bears were bad and the bulls were good. I think the, the bears market. Are bad. The bears are bad. Right, I'm bullish. I don't know. I don't uh, understand this distinction. Actually, how how is it that, that a bear market is a, is bad and a bull market is good? How is a bull better than a bear? They're both ferocious animals. <laughs> exactly. More, more people are killed by bulls every year than by bears. Yeah. Bears bears take out what four or five people. If we include what is it, the the Cape buffalo or water buffalo. I mean, <laughs> Well, well wait a minute. I don't know. I don't know if we can do that. That's a big move, including the water buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> including the water buffalo. Yeah. The Ed Skook story. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm all for poetry. Uh, I just really enjoyed an unusual, weird little book by Gerald Stern. It's not a book of poems. It's, uh, it's like, they're not even really essays. Just, yeah. A book of of little uh, uh, jotted down asides. It's called "Stealing History" from a couple of years ago. Stern is in his you know late eighties. Yeah, uh, it's a it's very often he'll say, "Oh, I could probably the the, the sentence will be, I could probably look this up, but uh, I think this fact is true, or I think it was nineteen thirty, maybe it was nineteen fifty. Who really cares?" You know, <laughs> this, this complete lack of accuracy or interest in in it. That reminds me of. Uh, needless to say, I'm going to buy a copy of this immediately. Um, needless to say, uh, or rather, uh, this reminds me of, of, of Evan S. Cannell's writing style in uh, the the two books about exploration and the book about Custer. Oh, yeah. My yeah. favorite line in the in the Shh. Custer book is um, 
he quotes someone's account of a particular part of the of the battle and then he says it must be so it must be so what and what that means is since i like it yeah it's got yeah. to be true because i want it to be true it's just some of the best those are some of the best books there are i think one of the best american writers ever one of the best writers in english one of the best things to have made a mark on the globe which are you talking about Connell? yeah yeah i'm thinking about i'm thinking about those you know, particularly long voyage and and the white lantern uh, the long desire long desire long desire yeah Lester book and other uh, some other but those, mainly those two and then his two books of those two long poems notes on a notes from a found in a Bottle on the beach at Carmel. The other one. Uh, And Mr. and Mrs. Bridge. And the stories. The stories. The the, stories. uh, Yeah. What are those guys? Leon and something or another. Two two old men who are friends and who almost die in a plane crash. Yeah, he, he was he was terrific. Yeah. And strange. Yeah. He was a strange writer. Very strange. You know who died? Like, you won't know who this is, but I just found this out. Um, I was talking with a friend um, from a buddy from college on Twitter, and uh, we we were in a fiction workshop together, the first fiction workshop I ever took. Um, And our teacher, uh, Kristen Hunter Latney, uh, young adult writer, it turns out she died a few years ago. I didn't know it. I hadn't been in touch with her. Now I kind of regret not being in touch with her because she's she's the first person I who I got you know first person who told me that I or intimated that I was good at or could be good at writing. It's also a sci-fi type. Was that a different professor? Okay. Oh no, that's a Judy Moffat. She wasn't a creative right. writing professor. She uh, I took a lit class about science fiction. I'm still in touch with her. She's uh, she's a great lady, a good writer too. Yeah, she she um uh she's she wrote this trilogy of um she's not writing much fiction these days. She's doing a bunch of uh, tr- she poetry translations from Swedish and uh I'll, I'll link to her uh, webpage and she's writing poems. But um uh Oh, she's she's named the trilogy. She has a trilogy of novels that she's calling the Holy Ground trilogy. The, the Ragged World, Time Like an Ever-Rolling Stream, and The Bird Shaman. I actually haven't read The Bird Shaman. I should get that. Um, but starring, it's, it's Starring Bird Reynolds. Bird Reynolds? <laughs> um, anyway, uh, one of the things I love about her science fiction is um, it has a lot of Philadelphia references in it. Uh the um, this group of uh, explorers to a new planet are known as the Sixers, and the other is known as, <laughs> as the, the Sixers and the Quakers. And there are reasons for both of these that are not that have nothing to do with the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers and the Penn Fighting Quakers. But um, but those are the references for those who who care about things like that. But I love the um, the uh, the concept. I mean, I think it's I think. Oh no! You know what? It's a this book is called Pentera. Actually, um, it's these two groups of settlers go to. A, I'm going to click on it. Make sure I have the plot right. 
Um, uh, okay. Moffat's first novel describes a world that is a single living entity able to protect itself from outsiders' depredations. The first human colonists to arrive on Pentera are Quakers who abide by the natives' rules. Um, no advanced machinery, zero population growth and settlement only within one river valley. Not so with the next group, who are desperate to settle there and expand after leaving an earth that is dying from human pollution and exploitation. And if I'm remembering right, one of the things that was kind of great about this was that some people leave for the planet, then technology gets good enough so that the next group that goes actually beats the other group there. So when the first cool. group gets there, they're... Interesting. That's great. You know, they're, uh, they're bewildered by the fact that there are already people there. Um, I just, as always, I've always loved that concept. So that's great. So I recommend Judy's. That's, right. And uh, believable. I mean, yeah, right? Sci fi way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how disappointing that would be for the first wave. Yeah, right? Settlers, yeah. Oh, man. Especially, and it took generations to get there. You know, it's like yeah. your, your granddad. Yeah. <laughs> You get yeah. to see your grandchild be the first human to set foot on the on the on the new world, and then you get off the spaceship, and there's a Fuddruckers there. Yeah, that's no good. Fuddruckers is pretty good though. It's a nice burger. <laughs> is it? Actually, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> uh oh, you said something that wanted me wanted me, reminded me to say something, and then I forgot what it was. I went to one a few times when I was in D.C. Because it was convenient, and I was sometimes hungry. Yes, and it always gave me a. Always felt terrible afterwards. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you eat a bad meal. Yeah, I'd say instead I should have just had like a little granola and some yogurt and some honey. It would have felt great. <laughs> you know, I a little Greek there, salad. There used to be a lot of places in my life um, uh, where I could go for some granola and yogurt that were be- better than the granola and yogurt that I might eat at home. And that's, that part of my life is over now. I have not, there's no place that I know of in town. That's like that. And I live in Ithaca. There should be lots of granola. That's good. It should be like, uh, instead of getting the key to the city, you get a little granola and yogurt from the mayor. You know, I'm going to, (laughs) (laughs) Um, thank you for saving our town from the fire. (laughs) Have have a little granola and little yogurt. Puts a little, just a little bit of honey in there. (laughs) <laughs> some blueberries did a good job saving us from that fire <laughs> it's a low fat granola oh there's some um, almonds in it there's some sugared almonds I'm sorry I'm the mayor that's how the mayor <laughs> talks he's a big huggy bear <laughs> he's a big mother hen of a bear <laughs> who is our oh no our mayor at the moment actually is um Svante Myrick, that's right. Who in the in this sort of Obama mold of a uh, um, very sort of socially adept mixed race guy um, who got into politics very young. He's in his mid twenties still. Twelve and very popular. Probably certainly the most popular mayor we've had since I have lived here, and the most active, and not active in doing terrible things. He's actually really great. So. Um, and he's and he continues to do uh, to do well and to get invited to the White House all the time apparently. So yeah, I'm going to lunch. Yeah. Going to lunch today at the Lincoln Street Diner, which mm. ex- astonishingly is a diner in Ithaca I have never been to after 17 years here. 
I'm I got a lunch date with my student Ling Ma, who is a very good fiction writer. Whom, if you haven't read already, you will read before too long. Lincoln Street Diner. Let us Lincoln know how Street it Diner. Um, uh, I it, it, they have a uh, corn muffins and potatoes covered in sausage gravy. Yeah, could be good. Yeah. Um, they have a hash poached eggs with corned beef hash. Um, it looks, it looks, uh, I mean, you can get a, you can get a, uh, you can get an omelet if you're feeling, um, unimaginative, but the Ziffy, the Ziffy omelet is ham, bacon, onions, peppers, cheese, and home fries in the, in the, uh, in the omelet, I presume. I had an incredible breakfast. Today you did? No. Uh, I have, I have, it's, I have yet to have, I have yet to take my breakfast. It's earlier here. Okay, um, that's right. What is it? Seven thirty. Yeah, where you are. And, that's uh, early. Towns, it, it's, it is early. It's for you. I got it for you. Uh, of course, I have a two and a half. So I've been up since four. Yeah, I know. Uh, I uh, the Point Hudson Cafe in Port Townsend. No. Which is out uh, out on the water, looking out the water, looking out at boats. I know it's the day after a windstorm. Power was out in a lot of the city, and there was a lot of standing water in the roads. So it really felt like a, a particularly in a, a, a restaurant island. Point Hudson. Hudson Cafe. Point. Hudson Point Cafe. Hudson Point Cafe. On Point Hudson. Well, well regarded on Yelp, and the photos of the food uh, make it look very delicious. It was incredible. It had a salmon scramble. That had maybe I don't know it was a chev or a, a creme fraiche something unexpected mm. with the uh, the salmon uh, scrambling. I don't like things oh. being called scrambles. In fact, no. it's just called a scram, which I don't I like even less. Ooh, ooh, a no, that's creation of a word that I don't think is a food word. That's what you that that sounds like uh, kitchen parlance. Like the the that's something that's what the staff can call an, a menu item, but on the menu it shouldn't say that. I think that's what uh, staff infection is based in. Uh, scramble. <laughs> things Scram. whipped up in a hurry, without regard to. There's uh, an oyster scramble. Available. Oh, that might have been really good. Yeah, that might not have been good. Salmon scramble was really nice. Good coffee. Good. Great view. Adorable little place. Little ramshackle also. Yeah. A ramshackle place on the water is a is a good thing. Yeah. One of my you know I've talked about it before. One of my my beloved uh, bars, the Kubels, on Long Beach Island in. Uh, um, uh, Barnegat Light, New Jersey, uh, is also out on a spit. You can see the see the sea from it and the lighthouse. And uh, because of because of the flooding, it uh, killed all the mice, so it doesn't smell like mice anymore. Well, that's good. They'll come since back the, since the hurricane. Yeah, they'll be back, but for the time being, it's you know. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm got sorry that I can't tree? go there. Yeah, we got, got one. Yeah. You know, I I um. This was, you know, it was one of the things. I, one of the things I had to do was get the Christmas tree. I had this, like I was saying, I had this series of obstacles between me and leisure and writing. And um, 
so I had to go get the Christmas tree. But what usually happens is I I bring it home and then nobody wants to decorate it. So I, I do it. So I yeah. put it in the, you know, the thing and I pour the water in and then I, I do all the decorating and like Martha Stewart. I, I feel like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? This is, it should be a family affair. So mm. I said, all right, I'm going to go get the tree, but I, I'm busy. So I'm going to go into the back room and read. I had to read uh, Emma for the book group, huh? which is a great, which is a great, wonderful novel. Um, hadn't read it since college, but anyway, uh, I'm gonna. I'll go and get it, and I'll put it in the stand. But you guys all have to decorate it. And lo and behold, when I came out of the back room, they had decorated the tree, and Rian had innovated this awesome thing—the archway between our uh, dining room and living room. She had put red lights all the way around it, and then hung this ornate little red and white uh, Christmas ornament from a from a thumbtack in the middle. And so now we have this lovely archway, and the tree is up, and it was a, uh, it was a, it was collaborative, uh, collaborative decor. So I think we're feeling, we're feeling better and more together about our, about the Christmas season than we have <clears throat> in some time. Will you all take Christmas at home? Or do yeah. You have to travel? No, we're not traveling. We, my grandmother wants us to come to Florida, but if Before the kids old. have school, you know, yeah. and if. They want to go before school starts. The tickets are like $1,200 a piece. It's an absurd amount of money to go the first week of January to Florida. So we just don't. It would be nice to be in Florida. Not you can get there without spending that much money. Yeah. yeah well. I, um, my father turns 85 tomorrow. Oh, really? 85. That's pretty good. Yeah. 85 sounds sounds stately. I think so. 80, 83 and 84 sounded a little shaky. 85 seems it sounds it sounds uh, uh old but uh stable. You've you've crossed a threshold when you've reached 85. 85. If you're there you're solid for a little while yeah. anyway. Yeah, you're golden. How's he feeling? That's okay. Feeling right. pretty good. Yeah. But I I uh, uh we're not going home for Christmas. Uh, sort of wish we were, but last year we went back, and um, Oscar brought the pestilence, and everybody got very, very sick. I remember for it. days and days, and there was no Christmas dinner. It was yeah. the year no Christmas would come. Yeah, so I'm, I'm probably sparing everyone. You you won't be. You're not going to bring the give the gift of disease this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, but you yeah, know. I don't know. It's hard hard to travel with with people. I uh, am uh, bereft that I will not be able to attend the uh, Okie Panky party. I appreciate yeah. you not pushing me on it because I just really couldn't do it. And yeah, if, I well, twisting I, I, I in the arm, and I could, and I it would be ruinous to us. Uh, but I, uh, yeah. uh, it's going to be so much fun, and I certainly hope that anybody who listens to us who's in the um, the Brooklyn vicinity will come yeah and i'll i'll July, remind any any listeners january 8th january 8th it's at the counting room downstairs at the counting room on barry street in brooklyn and it's a thursday night and it will be very fun the electric literature folks who are our, our parent magazine are really sweet awesome people who uh who know how to throw a party so and if you want to if you want to come uh you should come there'll be some readings from 
the editorial board and some contributors, I hope, will be able to make it. And uh, um, I don't know. Drinks? I think there will be drinks. Maybe some drinks? Maybe some themed drinks? Some, I don't know. Maybe. Be a name for a drink. Can can we uh, can we do that? Do you want to do that? Do you want to design a drink? <laughs> yeah, well, the Okie Panky, it's it's uh, it's champagne <laughs> and grenadine. Yeah, and chartreuse. Now we're getting now we're getting silly. And um, it's just not a bad. Oh, drink. you know what we Let's should say do? Champagne, it. champagne, grenadine, champagne, half champagne. Um, a, a little bit of uh, grenadine, actually, and a little bit of Fernet Blanca. Oh, okay. You've got, nice, you got a nice drink. That's the Oki Tank. The problem garnish is... With, uh, uh, garnish with a little lime wedge. How many bars will make that for you, though? Uh, every How many bar. bars have the champagne All on bars. Hand? All bars? All bars. Do you want to th- do you want to use that? Do you want to think about this? Because it would be kind of nice to, to commission AJ. Yeah. Actually pay AJ to... for. To have a drink recipe and accompanying short essay, I think that's great to, to launch with. I can I can tell I can tell you that he'll do it. All right, I'll I'll write to him. Yeah, I think this is this is great. Other, other, not not to say I don't like your drink idea, but I suddenly conceived of this idea to make it into a thing that we can. Yeah, we can his will be Benjamin. His, for. his will be a, a well written and a good drink. My my drink is no good. Do you want to make drinks uh, a feature of the of the magazine? Oh, drink I think so. I, I think that it would be effervescent. There could be a pairing. <laughs> any of these pieces. I'm so excited about this magazine, John. I am too. Um, now that we kind of have our shit together and we've got a lot of contributors and stuff lined up ready to go, I am very excited. I think the work that we have collectively uh, solicited uh, is excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, the essays in particular are exciting. Yes. To my surprise, um, uh, I think the poetry is great. I think the fiction is great. I have I, the fiction writers have been dragging their heels. I, I have a couple of promised stuff who haven't given it to me, but they'll, they'll get um, to it. They just have to get put up. They have to put up their tree first. They have to yep. deal. They, they have to. They have to go find some new neighbors to write about to spy on. <laughs> yeah, and that's right. Get details, you know, because that's how you write fiction, John. You. You spy on your neighbors, and you obsess about them. Yep. You think about them a lot, and mm-hmm. then the story happens. Yep, that's how it happens. The story writes itself after that. I mean, after some low-level surveillance, the story writes itself. <laughs> War and well, Peace was written that way. Emma? You've, you've, since you've brought it full circle, maybe we should, uh, we should wrap it. All right. Uh, talk, to you, uh, talk to you soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one, buddy. Bye. Bye, John. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well, then we'll give you some lunch. Do you have a hankering for lunch? Well, then come to lunch. Because it's time for lunch. Box with Ed John. That's right. It's time for lunch, bye.